episode three of Orange is the New Black. You're back with your host, Ace Boogie, and my guy, Zim Hude. Zim, how you feeling? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself, Ace? I'm feeling very inspired, very inspired by last <laughs> night's uh, unfortunate loss, but I still have some things that I took away from it as a fan. How about yourself? Um, I, I'm not as excited as everybody is kind of, you know, messaging me and saying this stuff. It's because I think my expectations from the offensive standpoint and what I already knew the defense was just a product of the previous years and stuff. Right. I I guess it just didn't surprise me that much that the talent level was matched. And right. I think a lot of people were very surprised that the talent level was matched. That hasn't been the problem of the Bengals. Like that's never that haven't that hasn't been a problem for years for the Bengals. Now debt wise, yeah, we don't have it. But I think right. a lot of people, um, I'm getting messages like, Man, I'll sign up for that. Like we play every if you think about this game, we're I'm sure we're gonna get into it. We lost the same way that we've always lost games. Right. When they're really, really close, when when things have to be when big decisions have to be made at big times, do you do you stand up and make those big plays or do you kinda get conservative, punt the ball, different things like that? Did you have right. a bunch of turnovers? And then I mean, for the the people that say that Burfick and Pac Man um were uh, the sole reason why we were undisciplined and stuff. Well, guess who's still there? Drake Kirkpatrick with the most costly penalty in the whole entire game. To me, right. I, I point at that penalty right there as a major, major play in the game because had that penalty not happened, now there's a third there's a third down and three penalty we're talking about where right. Drake Kirkpatrick gets a penalty and it and it gives uh, Seattle a first down where they were about to have to kick a field goal. Right, and it was on an incompletion. It was that's what made it even worse. Is it was yeah. an incomplete pass, and then he gets up and shoves uh, a Seahawks player after the play. What I didn't like though um, is that I feel like on that play, I totally agree with you. It was a knucklehead play. Um, Dre definitely made a mistake that really cost us potentially the game. But what I didn't like is he kind of got shoved before that. Or, or doing the play, and, like, that just wasn't taken into account at all. Now, I don't know if that's because they were at home, but it just it just kind of was formed like Dre was the only person that retaliated. Yeah, no, it's always like that, though. You know, I saw them, like, mouthing off before then, so it could have been offset and penalties if they wanted to. But right. being what we know, being what knowing our history – you know, in spots like that, it's not going to go in your favor, and that's exactly. not me. That's not me being cynical and being negative. It's just right. the cards that were dealt as being a Bengals fan or a Bengals player. Like at those times, those are the times that matter the most. When it's right. huge third downs, getting them off the field. We had six three and outs on on the Seattle Seahawks that were like almost effortless, right. and then you give them, you get them off the hook. So then I got to wake up and watch highlights of just Russell. They didn't show not one Bengal highlight when I woke up this morning. <laughs> All I'm seeing is DK Metcalf like he dominated a football game. <laughs> and if you think about it, what did they have? Uh, Russell Wilson had, what, uh, 198? 50 of them was on a, on a blown coverage. But I'm right. waking up the Seahawks uh, highlights. And all right. the Bengals fans saying, yeah, like, man, I'm so man, I'm so happy that we were in the game. Like, No. This is right. the reason why I said we're, we would be 8-8. Eight and eight. It's not because of talent level and I didn't think that we could match up with these teams. We, our starting lineup is top 10 in the NFL. 
We should right. be in every football game. Like, right. that's not even a thing for me. Like, right. and I think people just got so off track. Like, we could go into, like, I, I mean, I wanted to ask you, what do you think are your key plays um, as you look at the game that you think uh, maybe matter the most in the game? And then after that, I wanted to ask you, what are the positives that you want to highlight, I guess, from the game? So, missed opportunities. You hit the nail on the head with uh, the Drake Kirkpatrick um, flag before the half. That definitely led to points, in my opinion. Um, the Drake Kirkpatrick fumble recovery, where he makes up for it, uh, but then it ends up leading to Andy Dalton essentially fumbling. Um, that was a key opportunity in the game because the Bengals were literally in the red zone. Even if they would have gotten three there, they stretched that lead to four. Um, another thing that actually happened on that play, too, was Mixon was actually hurt on that play, um, or the play before that, I think. It was something – he was hurt on that drive. Um, I think that that was one of the key plays as well. Randy Bullock, of course, missing the field goal. That just really pissed me off. Um, you talk about Tyler Boyd on the third and one being wide open. Oh, uh, my God. for a touchdown. Yeah. Oh, um, my God. Falling down like that, that right there. Oh, man, it, it, was a, it, it was a Ross one early in the game. I'm not even talking yep. about the – I know the, exactly I, what you're talking about. On the left sideline, oh Ross was there, and he would, it, he would have basically almost oh had a touchdown. God, he would have been gone. Like, I mean, and, and then I mean, did he, and then he came back and redeemed himself, though, right? Right. And that's that's a, another that's play – no, I'm going to tell you another one. Ross fell down on, a, on, on, on the first drive. And he was getting, he was like in the pocket of a defense. Like there was three defenders right. around him. He fell right. down on the drive. Later on in that drive, it kind of stalled out or whatever. But that was like a twenty-something yard like play right there. It's like in the first drive of the game. Right, right, exactly. And there was the other one if you remember back early in the game where they did like it looked like they were setting up a screen for Mixon. That would have oh continued. Oh my god! That, that would have continued. The one where Clowney came through and like batted it down. That yeah. would have been a, yeah, a big they let play. Him go. They let Clowney in. Like, I, um, in, in in case you guys are listening to this and he came in a little late, we're talking about the Bengals recap from Sunday this past Sunday, uh, twenty-one to twenty. I know me personally. I had a huge day on Instagram. Like, I'm talking like four hundred people in in a live at a time. We had a live stream going on with the Harry Nuts game. It was lit, <laughs> and um, and I and I'm really really excited about that. And I was getting a lot of feedback, so I, that's why I'm asking you. It's so many plays. We could sit here for days to highlight like all of these plays. Right. But I'm gonna tell you, like when I look back at the game, because I did go back and watch some of the highlights. The Randy the Randy Bullock field goal is is not a Randy Bullock problem. It is a conservative play call. They had already conceded the fact that it was raining really, really, really hard. So they went with a Gio Bernard, like, run or something like that. And they right. set G – and, see, I think that's the difference between Zach uh, being in the Rams when you got zero line as your kicker and stuff like that. He right. needs to know your personnel. At that given moment, it sounds a little crazy, but that I knew Randy Bullock probably was shaking because that's just not his type of – I mean, that's hard for any kicker. It was pouring right. down like crazy, and then they set him up with the 45. But it's the play calling right before that set it up for that. Also, too, at the end of the game where they do kick the field goal, as I look back at it, you're almost saying to your defense what ultimately happened with, with uh, almost four minutes left in the clock. You're saying, okay, defense, you've been bailing this out all game, but if they get one first down, 
is going to get, only give us the ball with 30 seconds left. And to me, if you look at the, the plays that came before and the odds that, that probably play in your favor, it was smarter. Your odds of making a fourth left and you got, <clears throat> excuse me, and you're only down by one point, you're not in bad field goal position. I mean, you're not in bad uh, uh, um, 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 field position, period. If they had gone for it right there or set up the plays themselves, like, to go for it prior to that, right. I would have been more effective because I think your chances of getting one play for eight yards or so are far more higher than what which is It's like you got to say that was a tall task for them at the time. I didn't think about it like that much, but they they burnt the first one really quick. So then you're all you're saying right then and there, like defense, you got to stop them right then. And I think that's a marvelous type thing that has been haunting this franchise. The Patriots, the Steelers, anybody that's won in the last ten, twenty years or whatever, they they're going for it right there, and they're not kicking the ball off like that because you you go for it and you take your chances with it because your offense has been humming all day, right. And, and, and I, I just, right. I just think if you look back at the sequence of plays right before that, I think right. you'll, you'll be like, damn, you know what? Like they, they should have just kind of just went for it because even if they didn't get it, the clock stopped and you still have a chance to stop the Seahawks rather than right. punt it. Like I, I just, I don't know. As I look back at, I'm like, yeah, that's a Marvin Lewis type decision right there. There's other, there's other plays that happen too. I forgot to talk about the Alex and Eric, Alex Erickson fumble on the punt return. Um, I agree with you. I think like in that situation, it did strike me as somewhat Marvin Lewis like. But I think he took a page out of his own book. The next drive where he went for it in Seahawks territory on the fourth and one, and obviously we didn't get it with Geo. But I honestly had no problems with him going for it there because I feel like you have to play to win the game. And given, uh, you know, the three and outs that they were forcing, I felt like he had to to essentially go for it. Uh, But the things that I think were the positives to me, um, this just from a coaching standpoint, this was a well-put-together game plan. I think if this was a Marvin Lewis-led team, I don't think – I hate to be that guy, but I don't think that they come out ready as they were for this game. Like, for big games such as playing at difficult uh, places, like you just look at um, places like Kansas City and things of that nature, Marvin Lewis did nothing to get this team ready for those games, whether it's a primetime game, things of that nature. I felt like they came out extremely well with their game plan. They executed it. Uh, offense and defense. I was extremely impressed by the defense. I've I've always known that we've had the talent to contend with those teams, like you said. But to go into a game like this and have Andy Dalton throw for the most passing yards ever without A.J. Green is mind-blowing to me. For them to still be putting up points the way that they were was mind-blowing to me. The, for the defense, even throughout the entire tenure of Mike Zimmer, uh, you know, any of our defensive coordinators that we've had lately, no one has ever been able to stop the run. And, like, that was the thing that stuck out the most to me yesterday. You talk about the defense. We finally, it looks like, have a stout run defense. And this was against the number one team last year in the league in terms of rushing offense. They held this guy, like, if you were following fantasy, it probably seemed like their running back had a great day. He really did not. 
he had 15 rushes for 46 yards. Like he had, he averaged three yards per carry. That stuck out to me. You talk about the defensive line. That stuck out to me. They ran the multiple fronts, which we've never seen as uh, fans, you know, with the 5-2, the nickel, things of that nature. They were making tackles for the most part. Nick Vigil was out there flying, making plays. Like, I've never seen the Bengals be a team, in my opinion. At one point I was sitting there and I was like, we're playing AFC North football and these dudes look soft. Like, it was just like I've never seen the Bengals be the bully. And – I agree with you. They definitely still, like, did the typical Bengal things, which is not capitalizing and beating yourself. But I was extremely impressed with things that I haven't seen from this team before coming out. And I wish – I almost wonder what this – what we would have done if A.J. Green was there. And you also lose a Joe Mixon, and Giovanni Bernard comes in and steps up. I mean, yeah, come on. Joe Mixon Joe Mixon on that fourth and one, that's 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 – that's easy money. I, that's it's, easy. That, 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 that's easy money. I would have even rather than see them put in P Ryan right there at that four from one than Geo right. on that four from one. But that stood out to me. Like some of those fourth down and those in those big third downs that they had to end up punting. AJ Green absolutely because Tyler Boyd's now in single single coverage where they were kind of shadowing him with a linebacker like Kendrick Wagner throughout the game. So. Right. Yeah, yeah, those things really stuck out. I'm sorry to cut you off. I just had no, to interject on that. That mixing, that like mixing not being there. Yeah, that that's a W. AJ and, Green being there, that's a W. Here, right. Easy. And to me, I think the biggest thing that was different as well is the Ross deep bomb touchdown before the half. Marvin Lewis could never. Marvin Lewis would never do that in that situation. Like that Marvin was the greatest Lewis, thing. Had, had they not got that or not, it didn't matter to me. With the fifty-two right. seconds left, I told everybody in the live stream. I said, "This is Zach Taylor's biggest moment as an NFL coach so far." Right. Um, then with fifty-two seconds, they were milling it out, running it out all last year, and let every team off the hook. In close right. games, we were 14-14 with the Steelers last year. They kneeled it in, went inside. Like, right. we're letting teams off the hook all year last year. So, then right. the, even if they didn't convert on that, even if Eddie Dawn would have thrown an interception, I said, yeah, they're ready and they're aggressive. Right. Exactly. And that, to me, was just the biggest. That, to me, like you said, was a defining moment. And moving from the Marvin Lewis era to this era, because Marvin Lewis would have just tucked his tail between his legs and just went in for the half. But the fact that, and then the fact that they did it, I also feel like Zach is a really good coach for John Ross's confidence. If you remember the play before that, he dropped the pass. Like he had a big drop right before it, and they went right back to him. So yeah, I think, and, and that's what good coaches do. Right. You, right. I mean, I, I hate that. I hate to bring up the Steelers. But in all the years that I've ever watched, the one thing that I always did is, even if their game was on Sunday night, Monday night football, I say, what is it going to take for us? You know, da, da, da. Antonio Brown made a lot of mistakes. Le'Veon Bill made a lot of mistakes in those games. But when you wake up the next day, nobody ever talks about it because Tomlin goes right back to them every single time. And every time there's a big moment of fourth and one, they always bailed them out. And I'm right. trying to tell people before that game, so if you guys are listening to this, I don't know if y'all know the Patriots kicked the living stew out of the Steelers <laughs> last night. 
And the biggest thing is I try to tell Steelers fans is that, yeah, you think Jane Conner is good, and, yeah, you got a good line and everything like that. Cool. That's going to make you a solid football team. I get it. But at the same time, the thing that made the Steelers beat everybody else is the same thing that resonates in basketball. In the fourth quarter, when you need the points and you need to get it done, you go to your strongest weapon, and that's what the Bengals failed forever. In the biggest games, they all – Always try to go let AJ Green get double teamed, and they never, they never ever schemed anything up for him for any type of single covers where he's just running free or anything like that. They never had the brain power to do that. But when you watch the Steelers play the Bengals, what happens? They give you a pick play just so Antonio Brown. They'll live with the consequences if they got caught with a penalty, but they're going to put you in a tight position, make you think at the end of the game, and make it go to their biggest stars at those big moments. And I think. Zach Taylor is automatically on board with that because at the biggest moments, it doesn't matter if John Ross drops a pass. It doesn't matter if he fumbles. It doesn't matter if Andy Dalton fumbles. The big guys got to step up in the big moments, and you got to do that all year because the defense is happy when you don't go back to John Ross. They are so happy when you don't go to John Ross. And that's been the common thing. Like, people will be like, man, they, they took John Ross out. He's a bum. You see, he dropped the pass. The defensive, uh, uh, the secondary on the uh, on the opposition are sitting there saying, thank God Marvin Lewis is taking this dude out. I don't want to have to cover him. Like, period. Right. Like, there's, there's like three, four guys in the league. Brandon Cooks, Tyreek Hill, John Ross, and you can maybe throw in like Tariq Cohen or somebody like that. That no defender wants to, before they line up, want to say, hey, man, I got that dude. Nobody right. wants to do that, bro. Like, nobody. And by Marvin Lewis letting all those teams off the hook, even if he was using John Ross as a decoy, was the stupidest thing that he ever did, trying to teach him some life lessons or something like that. And Zach Taylor is not about that. Zach Taylor is about winning. And, and regardless if I agree with all the decisions that he made yesterday or whatever, he's about winning, and you know what it takes to win is your big stars making big plays at big moments, and it doesn't matter if they made a mistake prior. So I think you just perfectly segued way into one of the biggest storylines from yesterday, John Ross. Seven receptions, 158 receiving yards, two touchdowns. I, I know this is your boy, so I'm going to give you the floor to talk about Mr. 422. Hey, look. <laughs> hey, look. I don't understand anything. He should have had 200 yards right now, bro. I mean, he, he – I mean, it's it's been like that. Like, you cannot coach speed. His route running coming out of college was better than Tyree Hill. You know, like, one thing John Ross has to do, and I've seen it from him yesterday, is just get down, avoid contact, because with the the type of the body type that he has and everything like that, yeah, you are highly successful to get hurt again or whatever, and I understand that. Like, I I fully understand any Ross hater that says that, you know, he's always going to get hurt. Yeah, the body frame that he has is not typical for the NFL. But as long as that man is healthy, there are very few people that want to line up with him. And to me, this is what should have always happened in all of those games that I'm just sitting in so angry that somebody would do that to someone's life, like their career. Like Marvin Lewis almost ruined that man's career. You know what I'm saying? When you look back at, at this whole thing, you're going to say, like, man, what were they doing early on? in the, Whether he whether he re-signs with the Bengals or not, whether he gets hurt. I mean, I had a Peter Ward jersey on yesterday. 
when I think about like some of the guys that that I like, my favorite players in the history of NFL, NBA, Penny Hardaway, all these guys like that. The only thing that really tore these people down are really injuries and bad coaching in a lot of these spots. And and it's the difference between winners and losers. Kobe Bryant right. always had immaculate coaching. You know what right. I'm saying? From from Phil Jackson or whatever. So naturally he's always going to be in a better position to succeed. If you're putting players um, in bad positions to succeed and coaches and players are taught from day one, like, hey, you listen to your coach and follow suit. So this guy's telling you, like, you know, yeah, if you make a mistake, I'm taking you off the field and I'm going to mess up your confidence or whatever. Like, that's going to happen. These are real people. And I and I really feel bad for John Ross. It's so crazy as I'm watching it. I'm saying he should have been like this from year one with right. just the opportunities and targets. But one guy, it's just so crazy how someone can – change someone's fortune or really, really, like, you know, like, uh, be the detriment of someone's career. And I think yesterday I thought that John Ross made the same mistakes that he would have made with Marvin Lewis, and the only difference is that they came back to him. Because at the end of the day, I, I could be wrong, he probably had 12 or 13 targets. He got credited with two drops. You could probably put the third one in it, that, that one Griffin uh, pass breakup, I feel right. like Ross had a good chance to get that one, too. So in my mind, that's a third drop. But the thing with a player like that is such a boomer bust type of league with big-time skilled players like that that you got to take the bad with the good. And I don't think Marvin Lewis was on board for that. And I, and it's really sad that he just did that to him. Because can you imagine when A.J. Green comes back, what Ross <laughs> is going to look like then? Like, I mean, exactly. what, could you, what could you do? Like, I mean, Eifert still had five catches on the quietest Eifert day you've ever seen. And Tyler Boyd had uh, seven or eight catches on the most quietest Tyler Boyd game that you're going to see this year. So can you imagine when A.J. Green comes back? There's not a team on this earth that wants to do anything with John Ross because right. that means that you're going to have to double up on somebody else that you don't want to. I mean, like, like, like I mean, you're going to have to double up on him and leave somebody single cover like an A.J. Green or something, and you're banking that his foot is still hurt or something like that. And I, 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 from a talent standpoint, somebody has to – I kept on saying this the whole entire game. Someone had to explain to me, how did the Seahawks come in there overwhelmingly as 10-point favorite in their number <laughs> one – in their number one – we talked about this pregame. In their right. number one wide receiver is Tyler Lockett? Right. Like, that's right. your number one? <laughs> Ridiculous. I mean, if, it, if, if it wasn't even for fantasy football, the average person wouldn't even know who Chris Carson was. Right. Like, and, but, I mean, I'm not I'm not taking nothing away from their running attack or anything like that. But he's not Joe Mixon. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, it's like the talent to me is always there. Like, I mean, come on. The Seahawks, uh, I, uh, it was a Seahawks guy named Will Disley goes down. He's like, man, Disley's out, man. And I'm like, Disley? Disley? What? Disley? <laughs> Like, this, what are we talking about, Disley? Like, what? I mean, and and that's the talent level that we're talking about here versus we got Uzama and Eifert, you know, as our type. Like, I mean, I just don't see. But what teams have that? Like, you had to go to, like, the elite teams, like the Chiefs and the Rams. Who else has those those type of weapons? So when the, when the game happens and, and Dalton throws for 400, I'm like, hell yeah. He could have always thrown for 400, 500. But the thing that's going to make or break Dalton is at the end of the game, Say that that clock wasn't 22 seconds, and that's that's 50 seconds left on the clock, oh, and he gets and, and, and he gets his arm hit or something like that, 
or or something happened, and it, and it's always this oh, I woulda, coulda, shoulda moment right at the end. It's always been like that, whether it's the playoffs or it's whatever. And I know that whoever that was, was that clowny at his arm. I don't know who hit his arm. It might have been Quentin Jefferson. How many yeah. times he was in that backfield? Yeah, whoever hit his arm, and and, and then the average Bengal fan is gonna say. Well, the offensive line didn't give him enough time. And but listen here, Russell Wilson for damn near a decade never had an offensive line, and he still, as as I look at yesterday, he didn't look like he has that great of an offensive line. Is the way they sold it before the game either. But when it matters the most, he doesn't have those little fluky plays where we're relying on the rest to rule in our favor. He just makes right. it happen. And that's the difference to me. Like, it's never been about, like, you know, Dalton going off. Dalton's going to have 400, 500 yards a lot of times this year. But if he's got the ball with 50 seconds left, is he going to drive him down the field? Is he going to do what it takes to win the game? And that's right. what the that's the Dalton conversation. It's never been about stats. Right. Right. I agree. Uh, you hit on a couple of things. So I'm going to go back to um, – a story about Peter Warwick and John Ross. You mentioned that you had on the Warwick jersey yesterday. A funny story is I actually was attending the draft party, uh, the same draft that we actually picked John Ross, and Peter Warwick happened to be there. I actually had a couple of drinks with him. We talked and chopped it up. He was not a Marvin Lewis fan at all. Like, he's still bitter to this day about Marvin Lewis and the Bengals giving up on him um, because if you remember that last year, he had a breakout year. Um, yep. But he had the ankle injury and things of that nature. And I asked him, you know, straight up about what he thought of the John Ross pick. And he said that he thought that he would complement A.J. Green extremely well in the Bengals' offense. But back to another thing that you said, uh, we talked about Andy Dalton going out there and doing his thing. Um I'm not going to put it on the offensive line. I'm not going to do that because I agree with you. Like, at that moment in time, Russell Wilson didn't have a good line. He still made plays happen. One of the things that really annoyed me, and I kind of saw this during – we kind of saw a little bit of this during preseason, and I believe the Redskins game, the deflections at the line. I don't know if that's coming from the center of the offensive line. I don't know if it's that Andy Dalton is throwing the ball too low. But there were like it seemed like six pass deflections it was at the line in that game, and to me that was that was very annoying. So I hope that Zach is going to look at the film and they adjust that because that can end up being interceptions. That was huge in the game. Um, the only thing that worried me was I definitely feel like we got screwed on that pass at the end. Um, I still sure. think that there was a minimal chance that. You may have, you might have been able to hit John Ross on another deep pass and gotten into possible field goal range, right? But honestly, Randy Bullock's probably missing it. Let's just be real. But maybe. Uh, but I, 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 think, I like the chances, though. I like the, I still like the chances. I, I still look. like the chances as well. But I think, um, like I said, you talked about Marvin Lewis. And you know me originally, like, I haven't been a big John Ross guy, but I'm a realist at the same time. I told you before, like, I think that this coaching staff or the previous coaching staff held him back, and I felt like this coaching staff would actually be able to use him correctly. And we saw yesterday that they were able to do that. So I'm happy for John Ross. I don't want any of our players to play bad. I just know what they're capable of, and I go by what you've given to me. But I'm also – 
not stupid. I'm not. I'm not dumb thinking like Marvin Lewis didn't help hold him back. Like the man had a reverse where he got a first down, fumbled, and was taken out of the game for the rest of basically the entire game. So yeah, I, I think I think like I mean said, it, it, it was probably you. You probably could, I can name six different instances where they gave him the hook or he talked trash about him in the interview. It just wasn't his guy, and it was so weird to me how he it handled was, it. It was super weird, and it just, honestly, Marvin Lewis was just wrong, and and that's what I really like about Zach, and that's why Zach is a breath of fresh air, because when he makes those mistakes in the game, he takes ownership of it. You would get a lot of cockiness from Marvin Lewis acting like, well, we know what we're doing. We're NFL coaches. We're going to do what we're going to do. And it just was stupid. It honestly was stupid and idiotic, and I'm glad that that's gone. Um, now, bringing yeah. things full circle, a couple of things I didn't get to mention. Sam Hubbard. Two oh, sacks. my God. Should have been three. Sam Hubbard. I made the comment. Should have been told, three. I, I, man, I told people if he had on a different color jersey, He'd be the face of the NFL right now. Because not only, I, I say this from, this is the funniest thing. You know how many women hit me and say, man, what about Sam Hubbard or whatever? So I know between him and Eifert, women love him. And that's just something totally off <laughs> off topic right. that I just I just thought it was just like super funny, right? But at the right. same time, that resonates into fans and stuff like that. He just plays for the raw team. Because right. if he was going like that for, like, the Patriots or the Cowboys or something oh, like that, man. oh, my God. Do you know how many uh, – we would see Sam Hubbard all day today. But the fact that he plays for black and orange is, like, so crazy to me because he absolutely wrecked that game. He wrecked that game. Um, I have to I have to say this, bro. A lot of people talked about – that was another big thing. The Bengals went into this game without their starting left tackle. I got to give some kudos to Andre Smith, bro. Yeah. Like, I got to give him his flowers, bro. He blanked Clowney in the second half. He blanked and, him. And, like and he, dominated, he dominated in the second half. Clowney, a lot of people were saying, because uh, I, I don't know what conditioning Clowney was in or whatever, but I said this in the live. I said in the second half, he's not going to be as active. And I don't know where the narrative came in that Seahawks had some, some amazing pass rush that we had never seen. Because prior to the season with them losing Clark, that was their Achilles heel. That and the tight right. end position were the two weakest points. So I'm like, right. you're adding a guy that isn't like some perennial all pro or something like that. But right. we're going off of South Carolina, uh, the hit. You know, like, are we going right. off of the hit? Uh, like, what are y'all basing this off of? They're like, well, J.J. Watt was hurt a lot. And I'm like, he reaped a lot of benefits from J.J. Watt as well. Exactly. I mean, you and I mean, you know, we're going to chip on him all day. So I'm like, Clowney is not what you all are thinking he is. But at the same time, he is the exact pass rush that 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 does wreak havoc with the Bengals. It's a, it's a a mix of speed and power. So I did recognize that. But for Andre Smith to never even play left tackle before to come in there with that and blank him in that second half, and even in the first half when the announcers wanted to give Clowney the most love in the world. I'm looking at all of our guys dominating, dominating that game, and I I, I don't know, man. I, the I offensive I, line, the offensive line, I got to take my hat off to them. They, uh, I mean, they gave up four sacks, but it wasn't as ugly as I thought that it would have been. There was another play, bro. I want to say that it was a Giovanni Bernard uh, screen pass, 
and Michael Jordan, there was a defensive lineman that was going to catch Gio in the backfield, and Michael Jordan comes into the frame and just knocks Dude out of the play with a pancake. And I was just like, I almost, honestly, I almost jumped up out of my seat just off of that on the replay. I like, didn't even see it. I need to see this. Bro, you have to go back and watch it. Once you see it on the replay, <laughs> like, there's a big offensive lineman. I think it was Quentin Jefferson, if I'm not mistaken. He was going to have Gio, like, in the backfield, and Michael Jordan comes out of nowhere and is just like, boom, not do it on the ground. Like, that offensive line, just I, I just have never seen, like, I'm not trying to be satisfied with a loss. I'm not trying to be satisfied with mediocrity. No, no, but you're the, my voice of reason. You're my voice of reason, Ace, because I woke up this morning upset at the fact that everybody was, I, I think, but now that Which I, I understand. You, I understand. It's, because it's like everybody was so excited that we lost, and I'm like, these are the type of losses that we're going to have, though. Like I don't right. like like the teams that beat the dog shit out of us are the right. Chiefs, the Saints. Go look at the scores from last year. All of the other games with Jeff Driscoll on the sta- at starting quarterback were fairly close. That Chargers exactly. game, that Chargers game could have got one. That's a playoff team, like a good playoff team, a good team, right? right? And, and so I'm like, what did y'all think was going to happen? Because the media is telling y'all that we suck, that we're automatically just going to go into some team that gets blown out. Uh, thirty-four to three. No pun intended. Uh, right. uh, uh Steelers. You bum. <laughs> um, what did y'all think we were gonna get like thirty-four-three out here or something like that? No, <laughs> the teams that give us problems and the reason why I wanted offense so bad are are just the teams that run it up like crazy that make you uh uh that that trust your that 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 challenge your discipline. Right. Chiefs, the Saints, and the Rams are three teams that they challenge your discipline because they make everybody go in motion, do all this stuff pre-snap, so it messes up all these assignments. So if you're not sound in your defensive uh, 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 lineup or just even gaps, just in your right. gap assignment, they will make you pay all game. And, the, and those games that we play, and we're going to see the Rams in London, those are the games that, that worry me the most. They're not teams – Seahawks don't run it up with this crazy score, and they don't have some crazy offense. Right. When we when when they have a great run, uh, running game, which we you hit on earlier that we stopped with the five man front, and so then from there everybody's like, well, our linebackers suck. Yeah, our linebackers stink because the defensive coordinators in the in the in in our defense in our coaching period last year was always trying to make linebackers do things that they were not capable of doing. Like, right. they put them in coverage and they treated them as liabilities and just say, hey, we're going to take our chances with it, and then stayed in base defenses and kept no one guessing. So then when you go play a team like the Chiefs or something like that, they're like, yeah, we're going to take this apart. We're going to go right at him. And we're right. going to drop 50 on him. The Chiefs game, they could have scored 65 on us. They kind of took their foot off the pedal in that game. But they're just right. attacking our weak points. This game yesterday – is they took that out of there. We're not good against the run? Okay, give me five up front. We're not good in coverage? Cool, give me an extra safety. I'm going to have them in the box, and if anyone wants to throw across the middle, I'm going to have them drop in the covers. I might even have some linemen drop in the covers, and we're going to mix it right. up all game. Are we 3-4? Are we 4-3? We're going to make everybody think, and that's all they had to do last year at all these moments. Our defense was never terrible. We're going to have games where the defense is going to have some bad games, miss some tackles and everything like that, but look around the league. That is a common thing. With the the the, the, the games in the last the less amount of time that people get to, to tackle in practice, the less practices that they have, tackling all around the league is at an all-time low. 
Like everybody right. misses a shitload of tackles. So right. when, when as a Bengals fan, had we won that game, we probably wouldn't be looking at all of the bad things that you know that happened throughout the game, which which is natural. But right. all of these games throughout the league, people miss tackles and stuff like that. But the common theme that I always see is if the guys, if one team scores a whole bunch of points, that means the other team didn't get their offense on the, on the field enough. And that's all I wanted to do because now you're giving a breather to all of these guys that we're saying are all pros like Dunlap and Gino that are getting a little bit older and, and stuff Carl like that. Carl Lawson hasn't even come up yet. Oh, my God. Listen, listen. Look, look, and, and look, and look. And the fact that we were on the, on the field so much, it took away all of these – all these limit these possessions that that were killing us last year. We were thirtieth in um in, in offensive plays called last year. So you right. think that the defense could look good like that? But what happened yesterday? We dominated the clock. Less opportunities for the defense to even be out there. Second half, uh, uh bang bang play, uh, busted coverage is pretty much the decided factor in the game. Had it not been for that. That's a W, and the defense is a pure dominate, pure domination. It, it's pure crazy. domination. Pure domination. Um, pure domination. Before we before we get out of here, it wouldn't be right to not talk about the rest of the AFC North real quick. So the Steelers lose thirty three to three. The Ravens win uh, against the worst team in the league, fifty nine to ten. The Browns lose forty three to thirteen. So that really mm, puts mm, a mm. lot in perspective. Like I honestly, I honestly felt like this, bro. While I was watching the game, of course, I saw what the Ravens were doing and all of that earlier. I was under the impression that if the Bengals won that Seahawks game, that Man. is a bigger statement than the Man. Ravens winning fifty-nine to ten because we had to go out to arguably the toughest environment to play in the league on the road, rookie head coach, no starting left tackle, no starting receiver in A.J. Green, some believe is our best player, and pull off a victory. So Man, what do you listen, feel about listen. the rest of the AFC North? I know we talked about uh, that uh, when we played the game. We are absolutely going to give that division hell. And I love the I love the way that we are now the underdogs of the whole entire division where where we had that consecutive streak where we were going to play off, so people probably took us a little serious. I think we put everybody on notice yesterday, but I was kind of hoping we fly under the radar, radar just like that because the Ravens will not do that to that to us. They will, they will not, not do, that, do that, that, to that to us. They will not do that to us. Like they're we're going to make Lamar Jackson work a lot harder than that. That's going to be one thing that's going to happen. But the Ravens, I'm not going to lie. We said that in preseason. They look tough, and when you have a running – attack that mixes it up like that, it's going to be tough all year long. So for me, that and I'm not just basing this off of week one. This is the first time that I felt this, though, because remember we were talking about their wide receivers. Now you add Marquise Brown or whatever. Right. Um. Now they've got a legit threat at wide receiver. And, right. but, that, but, but they're limited, though. They're still limited. But I still have them as probably my favorite for the division. The Steelers, I know they played the Patriots. I get it. But at the same time, the thing that the Steelers did was use A.B. to give them whatever matchup that they want. Juju right. is not a number one wide receiver. He's not. Beyond, like, none of them guys over there are number ones, or half of them are number two. Like, Switzer wouldn't even make our team. Like, you right. know what I'm saying? So, like, we're talking about their skill. Like, what they do is run it up, run it up, get the score up so crazy high 
that their liability on defense is not as exposed. But if they're not scoring, they're in big trouble with their defense. I don't care who they drafted. Then when you go to the Browns, I think that was a fluke game for them. I think they'll bounce back and they'll be a solid team. But I think what you did see is this. When Baker Mayfield is hurt or he's got a bruised hand or anything like that, they have absolutely no chance to win a football game. I'm sorry. Like, they're, like for all the hype and everything like that, their offensive line, I'm going to tell you this too, might be worse than the Bengals. Yes. That, that might be my hot take. He was, he, was, he was running for his life out there. Nice. And, uh, it, it, like that, and then uh, throughout the whole – remember, remember, they don't even like Greg Robinson. Greg Robinson got ejected from the game. So you think about us having last left tackle problems and, and all these problems around the um, offensive line, the Browns are just as, just as bad off. And I'm going to tell you this, if that dude Baker Mayfield gets hurt, look out. This division could be looking really crazy because I'm already looking at the Steelers at the bottom. I, I honestly think the Steelers will end up in last. And I'm not saying that because I, I, I hate the Steelers. Well, actually, I am saying that because I hate the Steelers. <laughs> I just don't see the talent there. <laughs> I don't see it either. Like I said, I had I had the Steelers going 7-9 um, going into this. And I think – I think you hit the nail on the head. The Browns' offensive line looks horrible. That offensive line, I feel like, could derail that team. If they don't get it together there, if Baker Mayfield, like you said, gets hurt, I think that that's going to derail that team. Yep. Ravens, and, 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 and they're arrogant, and they're so arrogant to think that they can still throw long bombs and stuff like that throughout the year, and, then that, and I don't think Kitchens is going to adjust to it. No, no. The Ravens, I think um, I'm kind of almost jealous of the fact that they get to play the, the Cardinals this week. Um, I don't feel like we're going to Kyler Murray in that Ravens. second half, though. Did yeah, Kyler did half? ball. Kyler did ball. Um, yeah, they, they uh, forced a tie, right, in overtime? Mm-hmm. So I I feel like they're going to possibly go 2-0 just based off of that. But the Steelers, I'm really interested. And I feel like they lucked out because they play the Seahawks but they don't play them in Seattle. Seattle. They actually get to play them at home. So if they get curb stomped by them, then we really know what their season is headed for. Um, but, this, but this is the thing, too, though. This is one thing that I know Bengals fans aren't going to like me a lot for this. I don't think the Seahawks are going to be that good this year. I think it's a little bit of fool's gold, a little bit. I don't think they're going to be good. I just don't see it. Because, I mean, we gave every team the formula to beat them for real. Make Russell right. Wilson have to go to those guys. You can single cover any of their wide receivers. Right. DK Metcalf is not blown by anybody. Right. Like like Drake, all them catches he had, they were all contested. Good catches. Good catches. But yeah. Good DK Metcalf. I mean, for your rookie debut, you have eighty nine yards. Like quiet eighty nine to me. But I mean, like they were all contested. But I don't think the Seahawks are going to be that good. That's just me personally. And when I say not that good, I mean not a playoff team. So, yeah, which I think in that division, it's going to be tough to do between them and the Rams. So I, I could see that as well. Like, they should be in the hunt just because they have Russell Wilson, but they're not a lot, I think, like you said, to make the playoffs. No, nah, not at all. But they, they will definitely be competitive in, in the overall scheme of things just off the crowd alone. But like you said, it sucks that Steelers get to play them or whatever. Steelers, I just – look, look. Bobby Wagner, Kendricks, and those guys, whatever, I mean – a formula to absolutely dominate a team like the Steelers. Right. <laughs> like that are relying on, on James Conner. 
Yeah, that's right. not going to work. Like, that's they stopped Joe Mixon. He has they no, they he shut has down no, Joe Mixon. Man, They're look, going to lock on to but see, James I Conner. Like, I, I feel like that second half would have been good for Joe Mixon because Andy throwing 400 yards, right? Now you're, right. Making those, you're making them linebackers back up a little bit. But, right. I mean, but them linebackers that's are That's what's serious. crazy to me. Like, how did I, – I still can't, like – Kudos to Zach Taylor, bro. Like, kudos to Zach Taylor and Lou and Arumo. Because I don't even think, like, if you would have told me that Andy Dalton is going to have a career passing yard day without A.J. Green, mm-hmm. I would probably laugh in your face. Like, yeah. to be, <laughs> like yeah. I would probably have laughed. I, mean, I, always think, I always think Andy Dalton is going to swing it, though. Like, if he had, if he, if they gave him the opposite. You know the one thing I liked about Andy yesterday? Was kind of like that scramble drill, like just looking for stuff. Like, like at times he got hurt with it, and he he tried to keep on pushing the play further, and he ran out of bounds and took that one sack, like on the sideline at one time. With that, I think they credited the clowning or something. But like he had a couple instances where he's trying to extend the play, and even at the end, of, I'm talking about that last drive where he did the scramble, and I'm like, why didn't he throw that away? Because right. he lost like a yard or two. Right. Um, and, and then ultimately, we, I think we ended up punting or whatever. But right. it, it just sucked because I'm like, man, I, I like I like the way he was trying to extend plays throughout that, and that's something he never did. Like, like not like how he was yesterday. Right. So, I mean, right. you give him the right people. I mean, he's got weapons around him. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm not saying it's 2015, but he damn sure got some weapons around him because Willis. Is when AJ Green comes back is a hell of an option on the, as your third or your fourth wide receiver. That's, that's another thing we did. That's talk crazy. About. Not having Auden Tate there hurt a lot Man. in the red zone. That hurt that's a dope. lot in the red zone because I feel like Auden Tate would have made some plays, which I didn't even know that Auden Tate wasn't going to be active that game. It kind of caught me out of nowhere. I thought he nah, was he, he was it was questionable throughout, and then it came close to game day, and I was like, yeah, I don't think they're going to let him play. Because they and, right. and they and they opted for Farrell Cooper too. I'm, that's going to be interesting to watch. Is is Farrell Cooper active next week instead of Auden Tate when Auden Tate comes back? You right. know, like, are they are they still going to let on their say? With that said, Ace, we need to close this thing out. What do you want to say? I don't know if you call any of that San Francisco game. Don't we play San Francisco next? Yeah, we play San Fran next. I'm going to be your there ex- what do, for the home opener. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Cool. So what are your expectations? What do you think is going to happen? I did catch a little bit of that San Francisco game, and let me tell you, Jimmy G didn't look too hot. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't look too hot. I'm just going to put I that think, out there. I think I think the Bengals get their first victory. I think we get the home field advantage. Um, we'll talk about this more later on in the week. Uh, but I, I think that we're going to have the advantage. Another thing that I want to say is I got a lot of YouTube comments yesterday about people wanting to know where you can stream the game, and I've directed you guys to Zim. Zim has his whole live throughout the actual Bengals games every Sunday. You can be a, a part of the Harry Nuts gang. You can sign <laughs> up. You can pay your dues and go and find him at his Instagram. So, Zim, definitely let them know where they can find your Instagram for those who are part of my channel but might not be familiar with it. Let them know exactly where they need to go to pay their Man. for the Harry Nuts game. Come to Zim underscore who they on Instagram. I'm a, I'm a, I, last year I probably streamed every game except two because I definitely have to go to a couple games. But I'm working on something. If I go to a game, I'm going to try to get my cousin to stream it for me. 
So pretty much every week you can always count on me with the exception of maybe like a Monday night football if they do like a blackout and they don't let me like uh, pull it up on my TV and stuff like that. Um, or we'll, we'll figure it out. Don't worry about that. This is I'm, it's more than just a game because we get commentary. We get commentary from me, which is crazy in itself. It's fully uncensored. We also get fans like yourself that are listening to this podcast that get to have your points be heard, talk to me. Sometimes I go live with people and stuff like that. It's really exciting. It's the best thing I think that I've ever done as far as, like, being a Bengals fan. Yesterday we got up to 400 people in there at one time. So, like, imagine that throughout the day we probably had a a total, like, 1,200 people because everybody's going in and out of the stream. But I kept it live the whole entire time, the halftime. So them underscore who they on Instagram is fun. It's funny. We make jokes. We come up with slogans and stuff. It's it's amazing. Right. It's it's amazing. I definitely was in and out myself. Um, I think one guy hit it on the head. One of the fans said that he was watching the game in the background, but he put it on mute just to hear Zim kind of call play-by-play <laughs> of the game himself. So it's a I very entertaining it. thing. I get hyped. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. If you got kids, you might want to just you might want to <laughs> mute me because I get really hyped, and it, 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 it's a different side of me that I think people, I, I don't know if they're expecting but I don't know what it is. It's like some little energy person inside of my body, and I can't help it. But that first quarter, first second, uh, first and second quarter, I was hyped beyond measure. And, I mean, I keep people laughing because I got jokes. But when we get towards the end of the game, I, I tend to shut up and just let you watch the game. But it, it's really fun. I, I, if you're listening to this, please come to Instagram. And also, if you're listening to this, please subscribe to Ace on New Strike City on YouTube right now. We need to get these numbers up as high as they can possibly go. Go tell everybody that you can. Comment on it. Subscribe. Even if you don't watch the video, subscribe to the YouTube, New Stripe City on YouTube right now. That really, really helps us out a lot as well. Right, it really does. And also, don't forget to subscribe to us, our podcast, Orange is the New Black. You can find it on all platforms. It's under the Zim Hooday Bengals. You'll find us there. Make sure you listen up to us. Leave us a review, five stars. And Zim, we got anything else to say? Hooday! Hooday! All right, y'all.